because it was very hard for diabetics to actually heal their wounds because of the disease process. So I ended up developing one of the first apps uh, to help diabetics track their blood glucose is uh, what's also called a hemoglobin A1C level, which is kind of a, uh, a snapshot in general of how people are actually dealing with their diabetic diseases and uh, allowed them to track their uh, jur like journal, their activities, what their, their foods were and that sort of thing. And this was a mobile application. Um, came out right around the advent of the iPhone. So like as soon as the SDK or the software development kit came out, uh, tinkered yeah. around with that language, came out with something. And uh, immediately, almost uh, two weeks after that app came out, we saw about just about 35,000 downloads of that application. And I realized very quickly that my time in the clinic <laughs> was over. Heroes are an inspiring group of people, every one of them from the larger-than-life comic book heroes you see on the big silver screen to the everyday heroes that let us live the privileged lives we do. Every hero has a story to tell. The doctor saving lives at your local hospital, the war veteran down the street who risked his lives for our freedom, the police officers and firefighters who risk their safety to ensure ours. Every hero is special and every story worth telling, but there is one class of heroes that I think is often ignored. The entrepreneur, the creator, the producer. The ones who look at the problems in this world and think to themselves, you know what, I can fix that, I can help people, and I can make a difference. Then they go out and do exactly that by creating a new product or introducing a new service. Some go on to change the world, others make a world of difference to their customers. Welcome to The Hero Show. Join us as we pull back the masks of the world's finest heropreneurs and learn the secrets to their powers, their success, and their influence so you can use those secrets to attract more sales, make more money, and experience more freedom in your business. I'm your host, Richard Matthews, and we are on in three, two, one. Hello, and welcome back to The Hero Show. My name is Richard Matthews, and I have a special treat for you today. I have live on the line, Drew Griffin. Drew, are you there? I am here, Richard. How are you? It's a privilege to uh, connect with you again. Um, I'm always, always uh, excited to connect with you and talk. Awesome. So for those of my guests who don't know, Drew Griffin is the co-founder of Delicious Marketing Hacks and the co-developer of uh, Everlinks, which is a cool software that uh, um, lets you do all sorts of fun things. We use it on our uh, Twitter accounts, not Twitter, Instagram accounts for a lot of our push button podcast clients. Um, so anyways, it's uh, um, glad to have you here on the show today. So my first question for you, Drew, is what is it that you're known for? What is your business like? What is it that you guys actually provide into the marketplace? Yeah, thanks, Richard. Uh, listen, I guess one of our, our key products is a, is a course that we teach. We, we, we have a local marketing agency, uh, but we also have an online group called the uh, Delicious Local Marketing Hacks. And uh, listen, a few years ago, my business partner, David Calafiori, and I were running similar types of uh, businesses and agencies in our respective places in the world. Uh, he being in Pittsburgh, I being in the Philadelphia region uh, and that type of area. And we ran into a problem. And the problem being that, uh, uh, you know, the competition seemed to be increasing and uh, what we call uh, Me Too marketers or Me Too agencies that you know, pretty much anybody that's out there can you know, hang up their shingle, put, get a business card and call themselves a social media marketing agency without really uh, having any results to prove or, or uh, you know, results to give and gain for uh, local clients. And uh, we wanted to pivot a little bit. We wanted to kind of insulate our agency and uh, switch the model a little bit into more of an asset-driven type of business where we command the asset, we command the attention, and then we broker that attention on behalf of you know anybody that wants access to it, right? Uh, so we we developed, we did uh, some uh, testing of building out uh, directories and that sort of thing, and and what we really pivoted into and and really developed was what we call uh, local media assets. And uh, a lot of our approach to local marketing or digital marketing revolves around uh, the concept and idea of assets, uh, digital marketing assets that we control, that we can manipulate and uh, provide results, not only for our agency, uh, but for local businesses and individuals, organizations that you know want um, attention. They want new leads. They want new uh, uh, customers that they can market to and eventually convert into what we call transactional customers, people that want 
the stuff that they're selling, whether it's a service or a product. Um, yeah, so that's kind of where we are. We, we also do uh, software development and uh, things of that nature. Uh, we do a lot of online education, uh, knowledge commerce. Uh, we've learned a lot from you and how to structure those types of things uh, through uh, webinars and that sort of thing. Uh, yeah, that's kind of the, the area and the space that we play in. Yeah, it's awesome too. And for for our uh, listeners who've paid attention to my story on you know other podcasts and stuff that I've been on, you know I've been in the local marketing space since two thousand and nine, um, and your local media assets is probably one of my favorite strategies for getting into and talking to business owners that I've ever seen because it leverages the thing that they want more than anything, which is they want the attention of the people who live in their area, right? They want their attention so they can get them to come in and, you know, try out or buy their products or services or have, you know, come sit down in the restaurant, right? Um, and you guys are leveraging that desire by putting that front and center and being like, hey, what we can do is we can actually come to you with attention first. Um, and then we can use that attention to help grow your business and turn those into uh, agency relationships, which I think is brilliant um, and very different than what most people do, which is, you know, knocking on the doors and saying, hey, how, you know, how can I help you? You guys are showing up and saying, here, let me help you first. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's been a lot of fun, you know, the, the pivot and I guess one of the main challenges that we faced aside from the Me Too marketer, you know, moniker that we, that we kind of assigned to it is the typical fear and of rejection that pretty much anybody that pivots into business ownership will face um, with regards to prospecting, right? People knock on the doors, as you've just mentioned, and often they're faced by a gatekeeper or somebody that pushes them away, could be the business owner themselves, um, to the point where, you know, that, that builds up. The trauma of facing and hearing no all the time is unpleasant. Um, I hate it, you know, and, and we just decided that we didn't want to deal with that as much as uh, we were experiencing. Uh, so yeah, using this method and, and, and uh, the strategy uh, moves away from that and more towards building relationships and giving them something that they truly want in advance. And it gives us an at-bat to develop and, and just be cool with people, right? And that's what you want. Um, you know, the universal law of reciprocation. When somebody gives you a gift, they're probably more in tune with, hey, let me listen to this guy or, or this gal or whatever. And, you know, often they will reciprocate with something far greater than the gift that you've actually given. Um, and to us, that Absolutely. is the attention that we're seeking to have. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, it's important too, to look at the flip side of that relationship too. Like where you, where you're saying, Hey, you know, it actually sucks to go in and get rejected all the time. Imagine the business owner on the other side, who's got people coming to their door all the time and knocking on them their door and don't really have anything good to offer. Maybe every once in a blue moon, there's someone that actually has something good to offer, but they get, missed so they miss cool opportunities to do good marketing because you know they've got all these filters in place to protect themselves you can come in and just change that conversation completely and give them a good experience all the way through um so anyways i just really love what you guys are doing over there with that um but i do have a quick question just sort of in the midst of everything that's going on right now with our our crisis and pandemic how have your local media assets for you and all your students that have been doing that how have you guys been sort of, uh, you know, helping businesses and helping your local communities with those local media assets? Have you noticed any sort of change in your strategy or change in the kind of news that you guys are putting out for those? Has, has this sort of affected it or is it not, has it been insulated? It's been insulated. and it, the, the, the strategy builds upon uh, the very nature that we're dealing with, right? There's a lot of iso, a lot of isolation. A lot of businesses are trying to navigate things um, and it really opens up the gateway to, uh, do some pretty cool things, uh, you know, using a medium such as Zoom or StreamYard, Skype, something along those lines where uh, we're able to reach out and connect with people. We still command the attention. We still have growing assets, growing attention because number one, people are spending a heck of a lot more time online watching and trying to consume information. They're spending an enormous amount of time on Facebook. They're browsing the web to find more things, find out news about what's happening in their local community, uh, their governments, what's going on with uh, various organizations, uh, what's going on with the food supply chain, and uh, you know, uh, you know, what's going on with crime, what's going on with everything that's happening in the schools. It, the list goes on and on and on. 
And uh, the ability for us to connect with people and say, hey, listen, we've got this attention. People are starving for information, no pun intended. Uh, they're, they're interested in what businesses are open, how can they continue to uh, acquire services, product and services from those types of businesses uh, without much disruption. And uh, when you command that attention, it's very easy to broker that for them and bring them on to like an interview feature them, let people know about their open hours and the services that they're providing or, you know, what disruption that they're facing and, you know, how people can reach out to them and so on and so forth. Um, so yeah, business is as usual. A lot of our customers, a lot of people who are using this strategy um, are having a blast, right? Because uh, we're doing all kinds of things. We're sharing uh, relevant information. We're building out lists of people that are interested in that information. We're entertaining people with memes and, um, you know, heartfelt stories and whatnot. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a blast. Things are, things are uh, on the increase as opposed to, uh, you know, the negativity and fear of closing things down. We can continue to build out the attention and the audience that, uh, that is looking for this type of information. Yeah, that's really cool. And it seems like you guys have an opportunity during this crisis to actually be a voice for good and a voice for positivity in the business community and in the communities that you guys are serving. Um, so that's really a, it's a heartwarming story, I guess, for me um, to know that you guys are doing it. Cause I don't think you guys set up with like, you know, this, we're going to do these because eventually we're going to have crises and this is, you know, it's going to be good assets for that. It wasn't part of the intention, but it's a, it's a, you know, a side benefit that, Hey, you guys can actually be um, you and any of your students who are using these local media assets can actually be a real benefit to your community, even in tough times, which is yeah, really cool. Small pivot. And fortunately we're, uh, we guessed right. And it's helping a lot of people and, you know, they're, they're finding some value in this, even though they may not uh, immediately see the return on their investment uh, monetarily. Um, building up that good faith, goodwill, uh, it's certainly the opportunity is there to make money. It's just, you just need to know how to, to make the ask from some of those businesses and make it appealing enough that uh, the return on that investment from local businesses is really good. Uh, but the other I in ROI is actually influence. So you yeah. have the ability to put that information out in front of people and, uh, you know, win on the engagement side and the share side and the growth side. Awesome. So, I want to uh, shift gears a little bit and talk a little bit about your origin story as an entrepreneur, right? We talk on, uh, on the show all the time. Every hero has their origin story. It's where you started to realize that you were different, that maybe you had superpowers and maybe you could use them to help other people. So my question basically is this, how did you get started as an entrepreneur? Where did, where did that come from for you? Well, um, truthfully, it, it probably started uh, way back when I was a young kid, right? And, uh, uh, I used to try to hustle uh, on my the street that I grew up in Philadelphia. Uh, I would take uh, coloring books and uh, rip them out and and uh, color in these these you know color book images from various types of coloring books that we had. And I would go around and try to sell that to you know my neighbors for a nickel. And nice. uh, sometimes it was a win, sometimes it was it was a loss. And and then uh, you know. Some of our, my neighbors uh, saw the opportunity to hire me to do other things like, uh, you know, uh, do a little gardening here and there and, you know, cut grass and stuff. And uh, yeah, I did that. Um, moved into, uh, my dad was an entrepreneur. Um, he did all kinds of things. He had a pizza shop. He had a, what we call a uh, iron burglary protection company where uh, we would make uh, fabricate and weld uh, iron gates and, and, and bars, right? Like imagine the bars behind a jail, right? Inside of uh, Philadelphia, uh, you know, crime was uh, pretty, pretty commonplace. So what we would do is we'd make these things and put them on the front of storefront. So these are things are, think of a garage door where it kind of yeah. up, opens up. Well, these were a little bit more designed for protection of storefronts and we would make these things and put them on, on windows and that sort of thing. So I learned to weld, I learned to do all that kind of stuff. Uh, but I've always been a tinkerer, right? I've always been, you know, behind computers. My first computer was uh, like a Mac or a Comm uh, Commodore 64. Is that uh, that one behind you there? Uh, yeah. One of your first computers? Yeah, that's 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 one of the, one, one of the originals, right? So we moved away from the uh, Compaq or computer, uh, Commodore 64 or TSRE. I forget exactly what we had, but uh, when this thing came out, uh, you know, it was really good for word processing, but, uh, and some gaming and stuff like that. 
And uh, I became very interested in the innards of these computers and started tinkering around with them. I've always been, um, you know, kind of self-taught with that type of stuff. Uh, fast forward a number of years, uh, ended up going uh, into the medical industry after college. Um, I became a uh, hyperbaric wound care nurse of all things. I was actually attracted to seeing uh, people actually heal physically, right? It's hard to see blood pressure get better, uh, but learned a skill helping people recover from gunshot wounds, surgical wounds and things of that nature. And um, spent about 25 years doing that in, in burn, um, burn units. I did some helicopter stuff and uh, uh, ended up in hyperbaric units working with dive patients, uh, diabetics and all that kind of stuff. And what I saw for a, a, lot of, a lot of the patients that I started working with were diabetics. And in that populace, a lot of those people made the same mistakes. And a lot of them were lifestyle choices. And uh, they just didn't care for themselves. It was very hard for diabetics to actually heal their wounds because of the disease process. So I ended up developing one of the first apps uh, to help diabetics track their blood glucoses, uh, what's also called a hemoglobin A1C level, which is kind of a, uh, a snapshot in general of how people are actually dealing with their diabetic diseases and uh, allowed them to track their uh, like journal their activities, what their, their foods were and that sort of thing. And this was a mobile application. Um, came out right around the advent of the iPhone. So like as soon as the SDK or the software development kit came out, uh, tinkered yeah. around with that language, came out with something. And uh, immediately, almost uh, two weeks after that app came out, we saw about just about 35,000 downloads of that application. And I realized very quickly that my time in the clinic <laughs> was over. And uh, I realized, wow, man, there's going to be a lot more people that are carrying around these mobile devices that we all love, you know, these iPhones, these Android devices, and that sort of thing. Uh, that app was actually acquired, and my venture into the uh, local marketing space and trying to figure out how to you know, get more digital products into more people's hands seemed a lot more appealing than working 8 to 16 hours a day in a filthy you know, medical environment. And uh, yeah, I was hooked. I was immediately hooked and realized that, man, we can just create things that people use either educationally uh, or computer programs to do things better uh, that, that end up serving their lives a lot better. So yeah, that's what I've been doing ever since. And uh, yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't uh, want to go back there uh, in the least. You have a, a, a wide story of things that you have you have done and been involved in. Um, and I think you, you said you mentioned at one point you did uh, you did some work with podcasting too, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, podcasting is a tremendous um, source of information. And uh, way back when um, the Chris Brogans and the uh, uh, Christopher Pens of the world, who who are actually the founders of a um, a conference called PodCamp. Um, I got into podcasting. I just loved it because people were, you know, using a microphone and they were talking with individuals. They were learning about and connecting with people by recording, you know, episodes much like this one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I started following that around. I had a magazine called Podcasting Magazine and uh, just featured other people and businesses that were, um, you know, uh, podcast had podcast associated. They were podcasters by by general, and uh, along with podcasters comes an audience. Uh, which they have, and you can leverage to connect with, and it's just a, it's just a wonderful way of following the ripple, where you can uh, you know travel and learn, and you know maybe share some information and insight and knowledge to people that you would have never uh, have met unless you were on someone's podcast, or you can consume someone else's uh, information. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. So, amidst all of the things that you have done um, over the years of your entrepreneurial career. I want to find out a little bit where you think your superpower lies, right? So the way that I've been framing this for people, actually, since our last mastermind that we were at together, um, is, is, you know, is what do you do, build or offer this world that helps solve problems for people? And if you like, if you look at your set of skills, they're probably wide and varied. You probably have one skill that really energizes the rest of them, right? Your zone of genius, so to speak. What do you think that is for you that's really allowed you to grow and do the stuff that you do? So I, I think recognizing emerging technologies and then democratizing them for my audience. Um, 
seeing technology and where it's going and how you can actually leverage it to connect with other people, to sell to other people, to inform, to educate is a fantastic uh, mindset. Um, in the healthcare world, a lot of what I did was uh, education-based, uh, connecting the dots and helping them understand complex things and then uh, making it much more simple so that they can go about and get the results that they're looking for. Uh, in particular, a healthcare diabetic, hey, let's get your blood sugars under control, and that way your wound will actually start to heal because of the biochemistry of what's going on in your body. Often that complex uh, situation is very rarely understood. And if you can do behavior modification, activity, food modifications, those sort of things, you'll get a better result and therefore uh, end up living longer, having less uh, amputations and uh, being able to be around for your family, right? So that's the end result yeah. of doing things a little bit differently. Um, trans referring into the information world that we live in. Um, I love uh, understanding that and putting my twist on it so people can understand things a little bit better. And uh, often I struggle with that, right? But once I can figure something out, democratizing that or finding systems, and I know you're big on systems, Richard, is, uh, you know, I've applied a lot of what you've taught me uh, re revolving around systems and processes uh, to better democratize the things that I'm trying to do with the various audiences that I'm trying to reach. Interesting. Yeah. And it almost sounds like, um, like if you were, if you were to narrow down what that means, it's almost like you can see the future, right? You're like, if, if, if we make these changes now, this is the future we could create. Right. And you can see that where other people can't, which allows you to say, Hey, here's some of the things we can do today to help move towards that future. 100%. I couldn't say it uh, that much better. You should probably just interview yourself because I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, what you do. Um, yeah, when you can see the future, it, it absolutely allows you to understand things better and uh, help guide people to making better decisions or at least giving them the opportunity to make the decision uh, to move forward, uh, avoid the pain and move more towards pleasure. Right, so uh, if a, um, to quote uh, Frank Kern, hey, on the left-hand side of the equation, they ain't got it. Uh, to the right side of the equation, they can get it, uh, but you just need to follow these steps the in steps. between. Yep. What are the steps to get there? So, so the flip side then of your superpower is, of course, your fatal flaw, right? Just like S Superman has his kryptonite, what would be your kryptonite, Drew? Something that has held you back in your entrepreneurial endeavors over the years, something you've had to fight against? Um, what is that for you? And more importantly, what have you sort of done to help curb that? So someone who's listening, who struggles with the same thing might learn from your experience there. So I, I think it comes down to the imposter syndrome and the imposter syndrome of, um, has multiple layers to it. And that's just like believing that I can actually accomplish something or more so who am I uh, to deserve this? Who am I to tell somebody about this? You know, this information already exists out there. And the truth of the matter is um, part of that is fear of the unknown <clears throat> and um, maybe sometimes recognizing that there's a hurdle that I need to get over. And one of the things that I realized a few years ago, our mutual friend um, and uh, someone that has been uh, instrumental in me moving my business forward leaps and bounds is Dr. Ben Adkins of a serial progress seeker and uh, formerly, or maybe still currently a closures cafe, um, has done uh, tr tremendous uh, things for me in my business. I took a course uh, from him a, a number of years ago and I realized the thing that, uh, you know, that I wasn't doing that I need to move my business forward was getting more sales. And I was afraid of this icky thing and this kind of revolves back to, you know, moving away from the typical sales approach of things and positioning us in a little bit different way to actually develop relationships first, and then sales will come later on. I realized through that course that no matter how many courses that I've gone through, no matter how much technology that I've invested in, um, to get those end results that I'm actually looking for, you know, vis-a-vis -vis actually working with a local agency, through my local agency, actually working with a local business, um, I wouldn't need to get in front of more businesses. I would need to be able to make more sales. Cash is king. And um, I just didn't believe that I was able to go out there and sell. And then I realized 
if the, it, my investment in these courses and the thousands and thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of dollars of invested in courses, trying to teach me better things to do in order for me to get to the end result, I was going to need to, need to learn to sell. And uh, I never thought of myself as a salesperson, but um, I could go out there and explain these things better. Uh, so yeah, it comes down to the imposter syndrome. Sometimes I feel that it comes, uh, you know, wreaking its ugly head back into me. And then I just realize, hey, let me just figure out how to do things a little bit better, make a modification that suits my needs and will probably get better results uh, to our customers and our clients. And then just develop their relationship and show them, you know, the results that they're, that they're actually going to be getting. Uh, so it comes down to imposter syndrome for me. That is my kryptonite. That is the antithesis of what I'm trying to do. Uh, but yeah, so far uh, over the last couple of years, things have gone uh, quite well. And uh, building up that confidence by continuing to take action uh, makes a big difference at the end of the day. Absolutely. So I have my, my question for you on that is, have you ever watched the Big Bang Theory TV show? I, I've caught some things here and there, but uh, I, I can't say that I, I'm a, um, uh, an expert in the show. So the last season of the show is worth a watch, even if you've not uh, watched anything else, um, particularly for the imposter syndrome thing, uh, because near the end of the season, one of the main characters has a, a very funny um, and very public meltdown about imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. um, and the, uh, the, the character is basically um, yelling at another character who, um, who is trying to steal their Nobel Prize award. Um, and she, they were like, I feel like we're imposter. You know, we, we suffer from imposter syndrome. And she freaks out and has a meltdown. And she says, you can't have imposter syndromes, the imposter syndrome, if you are an imposter, right? We're the ones that would have imposter syndrome because we're the real deal, right? Um, and she has this, this, uh, this whole meltdown about it. And um, one of the things that really struck me about the whole scene is how true that is, right? You don't have imposter syndrome if you are an imposter, right? If you don't actually have the skills or the things to back up what it is that you do. And that's one of the things that helped me with struggling through that same imposter syndrome. That was like, I don't deserve this. I can't do this. I can't do those things. Is to realize that, hey, I'm actually, the reason I'm struggling with imposter syndrome is because I have the skills. I've done this. I have a, I have a background of success that I can look at and I can um, remind myself of that. So it, it's just that. It's an imposter syndrome, right? So you can be in both camp or in one or the other camp. You can actually be an imposter. And if that's you, right, you have to go and work on your skills and actually build up the, the backlog of success that shows that you're not an imposter, right? So that's sort of like the, uh, the what do you call it, the, the baseline, right? You have to have the skills that you think you have. <laughs> but if you have that, then you don't have, you're not an imposter. You have imposter syndrome. That's something that's not real, right? That's so so you, um, so you can, uh, you can step forward and actually take, take action, realize that, Hey, you know, I actually, uh, imposter syndrome is something that's all in your head. Um, Agreed. So. Once, once you do take that action, I, I, I completely agree with that. And, and I will uh, go back and watch that show just because a lot of people recommended it to me. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. Uh, once you do, uh, believe in yourself and you have those skills at some point you have to go and take action upon this stuff or you're just going to get the same results that you've always got um and that's nothing right you, you, once you have that skill set you have to you know write that blog post you have to record that video you have to ask somebody to be get, be a guest on the podcast uh, you have to go and connect with a business and really try to solve their problem um, and once you do that um, you develop fantastic relationships yeah. and you feel really good about it. And it's interesting too how, and you've probably seen this in everything you've done. It's that where, where you start off with whatever you're trying to do and it's like pushing that rock, right? Where you, you feel like you're pushing the rock up the hill. It's a lot of work. But once you sort of get over the hump then the rock rolls down the other side of the hill, <laughs> right? It starts to get easier and easier as you sort of go and grow everything from like, I remember putting this podcast together, it took me three years to get the first eight episodes done. And in the last year, we've done not, almost 100 episodes, right? Um. <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing. And once you get that momentum, once you get that thing moving, it becomes a machine and something that serves you. And that's, uh, that's fantastic. And congratulations on, on uh, the success of your show. This is uh, clearly a work of uh, endearment for you. And uh, you, you've probably reached a lot of people with the episodes and, and the guests that, you, that you've had on your show.
Yeah, thank you very much. And it's it's cool to to see it to start start growing. Um, and I realized that uh, someone just the other day, um, they hit the new and noteworthy on iTunes in their podcast, 150 episodes into their show. Wow. Right. And I was like, I'm not even there yet. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, ready to make new and noteworthy for, for some of these things. And I realize it's, it's interesting that, you know, a lot of times, and this is so true in a lot of things that you do in business, you're like, I feel like I should get started today. And then like, if I'm not super successful in six months that I should just give up. Right. Or, uh, you know, move on to something else. And sometimes you realize you just have to put it in for the long haul. That's so, that's so funny end. having new quote unquote new and noteworthy at 150 episodes. Uh, that that's 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 amusing. Yeah, it, it really is. <laughs> so my uh, my next question for you has to do with your common enemy and the way that I've been framing common enemy for people. Um, and for you, I think it probably make most sense if we talked like in in one of the specific spaces you work in, maybe the. Uh, um, the, the education for like the um, local media assets. Um, and it's something that you have to fight against constantly with the people that you're teaching or training, right? That you're constantly like banging your head against the wall that if you had a magic wand and you could just remove something that they were struggling with, um, and you know they would get better, cheaper, faster results. What is that sort of common enemy that you constantly have to fight against in your space? Yeah, so I, I guess uh, there's probably two parts to the, two answers to this equation. And, and one is that, um, uh, the most common thing is patience, right? So a lot of people that take our courses and they, they see this, uh, they want immediate results. And part of what we're doing strategically is building something up over time. It's not going to happen overnight. And uh, often, uh, you know, the avatar of people that typically jump into a course like that is, you know, somebody that uh, like software, they like to buy bright, shiny objects and uh, they put the course um, on the shelf. They want immediate monetization. And uh, like anything, you have to build something. You have to build out a foundation. You have to build something, uh, you know, and, and leverage the machine to actually get that momentum that you're just speaking of. Um, clearly, you're not at 150 episodes yet, and maybe you're not recognized and new and noteworthy, but how long has it taken you to get to where you are today, right? Uh, you know, your overnight success only took you X amount of years in, in order for you to reach that. Um, with LMA and situations like that is, um, you know, some of what we're teaching is uh, structure-based uh, information, but it takes effort. It takes uh, skill set. It takes investment of time, energy, and money for people to build some of these things up. But once you have it established, you've got an amazing tool that you can use to lever the attention that you that you've built up, and um, you know, for example, these local media assets. Uh, imagine a Facebook page that you just start, and perhaps you invited a bunch of fr your friends to uh, to like your page, and you've got sixteen or maybe one hundred and sixty people that have liked your page. Um, given the Facebook algorithm, you may not be getting a lot of attention on every single part, you know, every single post that you put out there, but. If you've got 15, 20,000 people that are following your page and you've built up uh, a messenger bot list and an email list and you can drive more attention and traffic to the videos in each and every single one of your posts and that traffic translates into your website, you can see it in your statistics and analytics, uh, that takes a little bit of time, takes a little bit of effort, takes consistency to build these types of things up. Um, so the end prize is, is uh, being having a realistic expectation of what you're looking for. Do you truly, truly want to build something that is going to deliver you ongoing and consistent results, a true business worth something that has assets built around it uh, for security and insulation? Or do you just want the next bright thing that just came through, um, you know, a local um, brokerage company or software brokerage company, um, you know, bright, shiny object piece of software that, you know, will give you that eventual result that you're looking for. Um, we all suffer from that. Hey, this new thing came out on AppSumo or something like that. We love AppSumo. Um, but sometimes building a business around uh, a piece of software that comes out may not be the best approach. So the common enemy there is uh, patience and belief in themselves. Uh, and um, consistency in building something out to look, you know, each and every single time when we apply the LMA approach to things, uh, we consistently and predictably build things out that uh, can serve uh, local businesses, local constituents, and the agency behind that LMA. 
the the second co common enemy is um, maybe part of what I just referred to, and that's the bright shiny object and in, uh, imposter syndrome. Um, people having the belief and you know controlling their attention span um, of what's being offered in front of them. Uh, listen, we're all inundated by messages. We're getting offers every single day. And uh, it's very difficult to keep the focus and attention on building something um, that is gonna truly serve them. Uh, so those are the common enemies uh, of that. Um, we uh, internally, the I guess uh, my business partner, David and I, uh, we suffer from that too. It's like, hey, let's, we're, we're identifying, there's so much opportunity that's out there. And that can really lead um, to some trouble if we don't do our due diligence and we don't have patience. Uh, there's so many opportunities um, and problems out there that are worth solving and just very little time to get to them all. Uh, so that's, that's the challenge that we face on a day-to-day -day basis. Goes. And, uh, you know, we just have to yeah. be patient with ourselves. It reminds me of uh, one of my, uh, my early business mentors um, who probably told me one of the most important things that I ever sort of learned in business was that uh, we as people, we vastly overestimate what we can accomplish in a year and vastly underestimate what we can accomplish in 10, right? Um, and so we get disappointed with things after a year and shift gears. So we're always ever, only ever a year into something, right? We never push something long enough to see what happens when you put 10 years worth of consistent, a little bit of effort every day, right? Um, and it's that, that slight edge mentality where you're like, hey, if I just put a little bit of progress forward every day into this over the long term, um, it allows you to have impact that is significantly greater than most people ever have in their lives because most people never make it past that first year of effort into something. So that's true. That's true in a lot of things, you know, health, right? People that want to lose weight or they just want to improve an aspect of their health, their vision, uh, you know, their clarity that's going on in their body, their, their chemical makeup of their body. Uh, going from alkaline to, you know, uh, you know, more acidic to alkaline or vice versa, right? And making some adjustments, uh, you know, uh, your, your gut um, situation, uh, you know, just muscle makeup, whatever, whatever it is. Uh, people want that quick pill to adjust things. Yeah, right. Uh, it takes time and effort. And I know that you've recently done, done this. You've, you've made impeccable uh, strides in your health, uh, but you, you see this every year. At the end of the year, people want to jump into the gym, and now people can't even get to the gym because of the coronavirus uh, quarantine. <laughs> and uh, yeah. you know, people are people are getting that uh, quarantine fifteen to twenty uh, back on their midsections and uh, trying to figure it out all over again. Yeah, yeah, and I've I've been in a in that process, and one of the things that's uh, really been blowing me away about like really really learning to understand my health um, is the doctor that I've been working with. Um, his mentality for working with individuals like me is, is a daily, like, it, it, it's interesting that like what he's focusing on is helping me change daily habits one at a time, right? And creating small little incremental changes that build up over time um, and starting with real baseline stuff, like, like, you know, making sure that your liver and pancreas are working right and taking a month or two months to get that working right and then working on your gut and then working on, you know, we've got, he's like, it's a year long program um, and everything about the program is all, um, it's all habits. It's habitual, little habitual things, um, that you build up over time to, you know, like you mentioned, one of the things that we're working on, I think in the next phase is working on changing the acidity to more alkaline in the body. Um, and it's really interesting to see that even in health, it's little changes made over time <laughs> that make big impacts. Isn't it, isn't it something Right, just those little minor uh, habitual changes, um, habit hacking. That's a cool little phrase to approach it that way. Uh, yeah, it can make profound impact on your performance. And maybe yeah. that's the way to go. Start with that. Do that inside your business as well and uh, move away from things that uh, habitually are harming us. Maybe that's the attention of your email box, inbox, and uh, all the different offers that are going out there. And then uh, maybe taking more of a look of a long-term approach to um, hacking your business for growth. Yeah, yeah, it's the same kind of thing, right? If you want the health of your business, how can you do, you know, make little habits every day that change what what's going on, and you can uh, you can improve the health of your business a lot. Yep. So.
if you're a common enemy, it's something that you're fighting against, then your driving force is something that you fight for, right? So just like Spider-Man fights to save New York or Batman fights to save Gotham, or, you know, you got a, um, the uh, little Star Wars character there in the back. Maybe it's like, you know, Luke who's fighting against the, uh, um, or fighting for the rebel, the rebel cause. What is it that you guys fight for over at Delicious Marketing? Um, and, uh, and, you know, what's the mission? We want to sort of know what it is. Yeah, so I guess the mission, um, you know, the, the why uh, is uh, time, right? And I guess time, uh, the, the thing that really motivated me before was I used to spend a tremendous amount of time away from my family. And uh, moving forward in the agency world and trying to uh, approach entrepreneurship, um, originally some of the whys uh, have changed, right? I get to spend an enormous amount of time with my family right now. And, uh, you know, principles, right? So I grew up uh, Irish Catholic and, um, you know, had, had a very strong faith growing up and uh, tended to move away from that. And uh, not, not uh, I saw some things and, and uh, may have misinterpreted things. And uh, I guess my faith kind of took a hit for a while and um, realized that I needed to do, I made a, a lot of mistakes. And, uh, you know, I don't like the feeling of regret. Um, and I try to apply a lot of that towards business. So trying to work more towards back having a relationship uh, with my God and, and uh, doing the right things and trying to be a uh, model father for my kids and doing things the right way for, you know, what our beliefs are. And uh, so getting that, uh, not getting that aside, but having a deep rooted uh, having that having that deeply rooted in my day-to-day -day activities, it's also approaching business um, and doing things the right way. Instead of just trying to sell somebody something that they're going to buy, um, let's really try to develop relationships and grow with sound marketing, sound business principles that are, are rooted in doing things that are going to serve more people, serve more people in a way that's going to get them results. And if we can do that, then we can make a positive impact in, in our approach to things. So we try to design things that um, will help improve our business and help, help improve the businesses of our clients, our customers that are buying our courses, buying our software to do micro things a little bit easier, a little bit better and to get them real results in their business while at the same time repelling, uh, you know, things that don't work so much and uh, learning more about more people and seeing opportunities, cheering more businesses on, cheering more individuals so they can get those wins. Those, and maybe get their first customer, maybe get their second, third or fourth customer to start to grow those types of insta, uh, those types of situations. Uh, so yeah, moving, uh, moving away from things that we don't like that uh, create a lot of fogginess and uh, you know, uh, confusion in the marketplace. We like to work with more people that are abundance mindset. We love to cheer other people on that are getting uh, wins and, um, you know, moving away more from um, that thought of uh, competition as being bad, uh, but really learning from people who are doing some amazing things in the community. And uh, listen, there's yeah. businesses that are crushing it we love it. We love to learn from that. We love to model. We love to improve upon that and make it better for all of our customers. I heard someone say the other day that I don't, uh, I don't fear competition. I breed it. Um, and I always like that mentality in business, but it sounds to me like what you guys are striving for is you're striving to build a business that's built on integrity. Um, and that integrity goes all the way down to like your core beliefs and being able to get you back home with your family and then help other businesses do the same thing where they can, build businesses and build lives that are structured around, you know, life and love and happiness and joy instead of chaos and fear. Um, and, you know, I think that's a, it's a powerful thing. Yeah. Both can definitely be motivators, right? So, you know, chaos and fear can be a, a huge motivator. In fact, it's very, very strong. I joke with it almost every day talking about, you know, moving more towards the dark side of the force. And clearly I'm a star Wars geek and, and whatever. Uh, but I also use that as, as um, 
kind of a recognition that uh, I, I had a wall built around me. And uh, going through a process in high school called Kairos is, is about uh, removing those, those uh, barriers. But often things build up, you know, we're all, we're all uh, um, experienced trust in the world and, um, you know, we're impacted by things that happen all around us. And uh, as far as we can control those types of things, moving more towards um, inclusion um, is, is, uh, is only a good thing. So I'm excited. Absolutely. So I'm going to shift gears a little bit and talk um, practically in your business, right? We call this the hero's tool belt. Maybe you got a big magical hammer like Thor or a really cool lightsaber like Obi-Wan Kenobi, right? Or maybe you just really love how Evernote helps you organize your thoughts in your business. What are some of the practical tools that you guys, you and Drew, use every day in your business that you couldn't do what you do, educate your students, um, work with your agencies, work with your clients, you know, something, a couple, one or two things that you're like, you know what, I just couldn't do my business today without these tools. What are, what are some of those for you? Yeah, so we're still learning with a lot of different tools, but uh, in general, you know, we love leveraging webinars. We love uh, creating courses uh, that house a lot of our products. Uh, we are starting to embrace a heck of a lot more programming and, and developing uh, tools that solve problems. Uh, right now, we're in the midst of creating and uh, bringing to market a, 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 an extension uh, that helps facilitate um, uh, group growth. And uh, we're really excited about that. That's going to be coming out relatively soon. It's called Group X. And uh, yeah, we're, we're thrilled about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's absolutely, uh, it's been a, a pleasure to, to do. It's a very simple application and uh, an extension that uh, more or less helps facilitate group growth, uh, list building by way of using Facebook. So yeah, all the social things that are out there, uh, my core, I guess our core, uh, core thing right now is educating and helping people through, um, you know, some online courses. Uh, it's a great source of revenue for us, at least in the time of uh, social distancing, uh, we can still sell things. So we've got uh, tools like Thrivecart and Samcart are, are amazing tools to help facilitate payment processing. Uh, uh, we're able to use and leverage Facebook Live and webinars to actually uh, sell and uh, inform, educate, entertain, and eventually sell those types of products. And uh, I think our business uh, would take a hit if those weren't there. Uh, we absolutely enjoy it. Uh, the social aspect of connecting with people. So like Facebook, various Facebook groups uh, have been um, absolutely impeccable. Uh, Messenger has been a, a massive, massive tool for us. Uh, Facebook Messenger, Messenger bots with ManyChat. Uh, those uh, learning to uh, incorporate all those working together. Uh, ClickFunnels is big, big yeah. for us. Uh, being able to rapidly deploy web pages, uh, Russell Brunson, his amazing team, and uh, I'm trying to get better at copywriting. So I've been uh, learning from Jim Edwards and uh, finding and looking for other people to uh, help educate me on on those types of things. Uh, yeah, so those those are the core pillars of our stuff, and then of course our software we believe are are cool things. We've got um, Everlinks, which is uh, a rapid uh, mini web page developer uh, designed for, um, for for mobile optimized uh, link tree uh, focused uh, types of links where they can link out to multiple products from links and bio or pretty much any hyperlink that you can provide online. Uh, yes, yeah, so that's our core our core software product. We've got a few others that are, that are coming out, uh, but yeah, yeah, those are those are pretty much the things that we live in religiously every day. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting too, how important online learning has become um, just in the midst of our, our, uh, you know, global crisis. And it's funny because, you know, you and I have been in the online education space for a number of years. Um, and it's crazy to see that like our whole business has been based on like a small subset of the population being interested in online learning. And now it's like the whole world has just opened up to us where it's like everyone wants to know a little bit about online education. So if you're in that space, whether you're teaching people how to do it like I do, um, or you're actually providing online ed education like you do, it's uh, it's very interesting times to be alive and be uh, be taking advantage of a lot of these tools that we've mastered over the last couple of years. It's true. It's a huge opportunity. And I do believe that uh, it's deep rooted in a lot of different business uh, structures. The opportunity uh, to move more towards an education component or have an education component in their businesses 
is going to be critical for customer acquisition. And uh, it's an opportunity for people that don't know where else to go. They either had a former uh, employee mentality, they've been furloughed or laid off or completely fired. Uh, turning to online education could be a huge opportunity and a way to generate revenue and serve a lot of other people at the same time. Absolutely. So my next question for you has to do with your own personal heroes, right? Just like Frodo had Gandalf or Luke had Obi-Wan Kenobi or Robert Kiyosaki had his rich dad. Who were some of your heroes? Were they real life mentors, um, speakers or authors, peers who were a couple of years ahead of you? And how important were they to what you've accomplished so far with your business? Yeah, my, you know, the, the cool thing is I'm identifying and, and, and starting to pause a little bit to recognize even more hero, heroes that come, you know, come across, uh, I come across in my life. Um, you know, I could use the, the, the stock, uh, version, but I'd be lying. And, and, um, if I didn't recognize, you know, my parents, I lost both my parents. They've instilled a lot of interesting things in my life. Uh, each of my siblings are, are heroes to me in their own right. Um, my wife, my wife is an extraordinary hero. Um, one that I don't deserve, uh, all the time. Uh, she's an occupational therapist. Uh, she has single-handedly instilled uh, amazing um, values and skills in my daughters. I'm, and I'm, you know, in this time of um, social distancing and whatnot, seeing uh, my kids thrive uh, with, within these challenges uh, graciously has been a joy to see. Uh, I'm, I'm excited about their futures. I, I see that they're going to do great things. And it's certainly a testament to what she's been able to do, uh, raising them, uh, you know, in, in partnership with me as well. Um, but I, I do recognize other, other heroes uh, that are out there. Uh, I'm not going to lie. At first, when, when we first met, I was kind of, you know, confused by how we actually uh, initially met um, and, you know, seeing the success that you've had over the number of years as I've come to know you, uh, there's certainly a, a sense, and I've revealed this to you before, that I was intimidated, right? I was intimidated by uh, what you were able to accomplish because I truly wanted a lot of, I, re I just recognized that you have an amazing skill set, the uh, intellect, um, you know, the way that you approach your family, the way that you raise your family, the way that you provide for them, uh, the way that you serve other people is, is amazing, right? So you're one of my heroes. And, um, you know, I've, I've been privileged to come to know you. I've, I've been privileged to break bread with you. Um, I recognize what you're doing in the world, uh, not only with your customers and clients, but everyone that you touch by way of your podcast, um, your customers, your clients, and, and certainly the colleagues and friends that we both share. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention uh, your partner, Zach. You know, uh, I've sought out his, his advice on a lot of different things. I've learned uh, to do business better as a result of knowing the both of you. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of my colleagues in, in the healthcare world, um, they do and touch people's lives in, in a very, very interesting way. In fact, um, just yesterday, um, I shared this story with a mutual friend of ours, Tabitha Thomas uh, at Zero uh, Progress Seeker. Um, you know, at the hospital, um, was checking in on a patient that I was asked to do a consult with. So I occasionally I still do some things in, in healthcare. And a, and a colleague of mine who is particularly endearing when working with patients just has a way of comforting them, you know, outside of medicine, right? Instead of, you know, just pushing the drugs and all that kind of stuff, actually takes time to sit on the side of the bed and, and work with them, right? And uh, listen to them and just spend some time with them when their family members can't be with them. And, uh, you know, the story was a little bit, uh, you know, kind of, kind of shook me a little bit. So uh, the patient was on the hospice and um, was uh, fearful. And so when we entered the room, she asked uh, us to pray with her. So my colleague sat down on the side of the bed and, and, and did so and asked her if she believed in Jesus and so on and so forth. And um, the patient revealed that she was Jewish and, uh, you know, did not believe and, but uh, was interested in learning more and hearing more and it was it too late and that sort of thing. And uh, the conversation was going on and I was doing, you know, what I needed to do with the patient. She was sitting there comforting her and uh, the conversation went on and 
she said, uh, you know, she, she was doing something with her eyes that was a little bit weird. Uh, her eyes were tracking back and forth and she uh, literally was, uh, appeared to be looking through us and, and beyond us to what else was going on in the room, which there was nothing really going on in the room that we could see. And uh, she said, you know, what are you looking at? And she said, uh, I'm looking at the angels. And, you know, that kind of hit me a little bit differently, right? <laughs> so she said, uh, you know, so the nurse that was there with me said, um, oh, you know, they must be beautiful. Um, you know, are they, are, they, are they beautiful? What are they wearing? Basically probing, asking her what they look like and that sort of thing. And, and uh, she said, well, some of them are beautiful. Uh, you know, she was tracking back and forth and like, you know, when the, the way that she said it hit me pretty hard, she said, um, some of them are beautiful. And then she shifted to the other side of the room with her eyes and, you know, I'm sitting there watching her at the ex exact time. She said, and some of them aren't. And I was like, all right, um, I need to go. <laughs> That's my time in the room here. I'm not exactly sure why I shared that, but um, yeah, she was a hero. You know, the, 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 the nurse uh, spending time with her uh, when, you know, she, her, her time is uh, waning down uh, as a hero. So a lot of my colleagues in, in the healthcare world, even though I don't spend a lot of time in that world uh, anymore, I recognize that they deal with things in the, in the face of a lot of uncertainty with this, this virus. They put their lives on the line every single day. And uh, yeah, so those are heroes. And I think pretty much everybody out there that just wants to do the right thing. There are people that are looking to get, become uh, an entrepreneur. They're looking to improve their businesses in the, in the face of fear, a lot of uncertainty. And they're looking to do the right thing by serving their customers and clients in the right way. Those are heroes. Those are people that I've never met before yet. And uh, hopefully through this medium, um, this internet thing that, you know, we'll cross paths with other people that, uh, you know, we're destined to connect with and uh, touch the lives of people that, um, you know, that, that really need it. Yeah, absolutely. One of the, uh, one of the reasons I asked that question um, is because it's always struck me how everyone has an answer to it, right? Everyone has a hero in their lives. And what's interesting to me is very often, a lot of the people that you would consider heroes, those people don't know you consider them a hero. Right. Uh, and it's always cool when, you know, you, <laughs> to find out someone considers you a hero. So thank you for that. But the uh, the the thing that's always struck me is realization that, like, I, I always want to act in such a way that I'm worthy of that. Right. That I'm worthy of it for the people that are in my lives that um, uh, the, the same same gentleman that uh, that told me a number of time, number of times that I needed, you know, that uh, we underestimate what we accomplish in a year. Um, and, uh, w also told me that, you know, when you grow up, when your kids grow up or as they grow up, they're going to have a hero. Right. And he's, he said, it is damn well better be you. Um, and that always struck me because I was, I always thought as like, if, if you're not worthy of it, your kids are going to pick someone else. They're going to find someone else to be the hero in their lives. Um, and I've always liked that whole mentality of thinking to myself, how do I, how am I acting today or acting in a situation or acting, am I acting in a way that's worthy of someone's admiration, right? Um, because if I'm not, then I need to change something. And that's where, um, that's where like sort of the heart of that question comes from. And I've always, it, I just love that you have so many like examples of that in your life where you're like, I've got all these people that I can see that are worthy of admiration, are worthy of being heroes. So anyways, that's a, it's a cool story. Well, I, I, I thank you for that, but I, it's true. Um, the, the sooner that we can find and, and recognize heroes in our lives, the better. And when you experience having a wall built up around you that's based in, in, a, in a, a false belief of you have to compete, you have to outdo, you have to be better or whatever it might be. Certainly there's are, are things that are gonna motivate you. You want to improve and uh, model and improve and, and do things that, you know, people have taught you. And, and that's based upon, you know, really trying to serve if you really come, comes down to it. Uh, so that, that said, I know that your legacy, um, you know, for your family is 
deeply rooted and, uh, with that belief is that you want to uh, serve them and you want to provide for them. You want to show them a pathway and you've clearly accomplished that. And there's no, uh, there's no fear that you're going uh, to not continue to deliver that for your family. I know that your family loves you. I know your wife does an amazing job. I, I'm actually learning from your wife too. I mean, just some of the things that she posts online. Um, comes She's from amazing. comes from that place. She's <laughs> absolutely amazing person. So, and uh, I, I'm privileged. I'm honored. Uh, grateful to uh, call you a friend. Um, uh, and and uh, I'm grateful for your mentorship and uh, being a guest here on your show. Absolutely. Same goes the other direction. So I have one more important question for you. I call this your guiding principles. Right, top of one or two principles or actions that you use regularly today that you think contribute to the success and influence that you guys enjoy over at Delicious Marketing? Maybe something you wish you'd known when you first started getting into this whole entrepreneur game. Yeah, I think the one thing that um, I don't like is regret, right? So I learned this principle, this this statement, and there's something kind of like deeply rooted inside there, uh, you know, from my father. And it's, you know, there are no right or wrong decisions. There's only consequences. And, you know, the That's a good one. caveat to that is, you know, you just have to have a moral compass that you're trying to help and serve other people. Uh, certainly there's profit-driven decisions and, and certainly, you know, there's nothing wrong uh, with wanting to and, and earning a profit off of the action services products that you're putting out there. Uh, but being uh, doing it for the right reasons is, um, you know, is something that uh, you should use as that moral compass to, to move things forward. Um, and yeah, just, you know, don't waste the time, right? It's clearly, we're all facing something going on in the world right now. Um, make that decision to move forward. And even if it's the wrong one, uh, at least you're going to learn from it move forward, take action. Uh, don't be fearful of making mistakes because that's how you learn. And, um, you know, surround yourself with people like yourself, uh, surround yourself with people that are heroes that are making a difference in the world. Um, and find those problems, look for ways to solve those problems, whether it's through your education, whether it's through technology or through service. And I think you'll be on the right path. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, just to further that point, um, it, even if it's the wrong decision, right, move, because if you're moving, it's easier to course correct a ship that's moving than it is to uh, get a ship going, right? So once you start, get that effort, get that ball rolling, it's easier to change and course correct and make better decisions moving forward than it is to just get started. So once you get over that hump of getting started, it gets easier. That's true. So, absolutely. So that basically wraps up our interview. I have one last thing we do on the show every time. It's real simple. It's called the Heroes Challenge. Um, and it's something we do on every show. Um, it's basically this. You have someone in your life or in your network that you think has a cool entrepreneurial story. Who are they? First names are fine. And why do you think they should come share their story on our show? Well, this, this guy has probably been on your show um, uh, a lot of times, uh, but uh, a great influence in my life has been Dr. Ben Atkins. Um, he has uh, been amazing uh, in my life. Um, he's made a big difference. He's put a lot of money in my pockets. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shift it a little bit. Uh, so I'm going to say two, right? So Dr. Ben Atkins, if you haven't had him on, uh, seek him out. I think he and his crew are absolute world-class, uh, they, they live in integrity. Uh, but I'm gonna give a shout out to my business partner and give him the opportunity to jump on here as well. David Calfiore, um, I've, I've grown to know him uh, as a friend, as a partner, as somebody that lives and walks in integrity. I've learned a ton from him with regards to business, uh, but I'd love for, for you to hear from him as well. He's got a very interesting story. He's got a lovely family and I couldn't be more proud and privileged to be uh, associated and call him a, a business partner and friend. Awesome. Yeah. So we've had been on once before, but it was one of our first episodes from several years ago. So we may have to get him back on for, uh, for another interview. And David, I think we might have conversations going already to get him on the show so we'll see uh see about that if not i'll make sure you let, let him know that uh that, that you told me he had to come on <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll force him to, get on, to come on he's kind of a little bit of a shy guy and clearly has more hair than i do but uh i think you'll enjoy that conversation 
Absolutely. So thank you so much for coming on the show, Drew. Really appreciate it. Last thing, where can people find you, right? If they want to pick up any of your courses or follow in your groups or pick up some of your software, where can they find you? And I guess more importantly, who are the types of people that are best to sort of reach out and get involved in what it is you guys are doing? Sure. So I guess the, the people that are, um, you know, probably the people that would be interested in some of our stuff are uh, new, aspiring, or, or even established uh, local marketing agencies or people that are, uh, want to find a different way to connect, a better way to connect with local businesses. We talk a lot about uh, prospecting and lead, uh, you know, lead generation and just better ways to connect with uh, various types of businesses. Um, yeah, the best way to do that, uh, we've got a website, a few websites, deliciousmarketing.io. It's not .com, it's .io. Uh, deliciousmarketing.io. Our software program is called Everlinks, E-V-E-R-L-I-N-K-S.io. And uh, lastly, if you want a, a little book, um, the book that kind of explains one of our core products is called LMA or Local Media Assets. You can find that at lmabook.com. And uh, yeah, that's a very, very quick read, but it gives you a lot about the principles of what we're trying to share. Uh, and uh, you can pick up, uh, pick that up uh, relatively inexpensively, uh, a couple of bucks, and uh, you'll be all set with, have an understanding, a deep, or deeper understanding of what's going on in, in that principle and how can we be able to serve you uh, if you want to build out an asset that serves you and your agency for years to come. Absolutely. And for those of you who are listening, if you are in that space or you want to be in the space where you're talking and working with local businesses, and it's a huge space, right? 60 million plus businesses that are currently struggling, right? You can come in and be a, a uh, you know, knight in shining armor, so to speak. Um, and what Drew and his team has put together over there, I've watched them develop it and build it over the court last, um, last couple of years. Really, really good stuff. I would highly recommend picking up their book um, and doing that. Um, so Drew, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Really appreciate it. Um, and look forward to talking to you again soon. Richard, it's been a privilege. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, I know you serve your community uh, quite well, and I uh, can't wait to have you on our podcast relatively soon because uh, I know that uh, the things that you talk about absolutely make an immediate impact in people's businesses. Uh, so again, thank you so much for your time. Be safe out there. Say hello to the family, and I uh, can't wait to hang out with you real soon. Will do. Thank you very much, Drew. Have a good day.